Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to be in your house. Lord, we love to worship you. Lord, we love to talk about your word. It is our passion. We love the Lord Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus here at this church, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. And Lord, as we open this word this morning, God, I pray that you make it so anyone can understand, so that everyone can perceive what you're trying to say to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, New Hope Band. Merry Christmas, everyone. It is so good to be back in the house of God. I, my wife and I, uh, we got quarantined, um, and we got these official letters and everything from the Department of Health, and weren't allowed to be around everyone. Um, please don't treat us like lepers. We are cleared now by that same Department of Health. Uh, don't know if they're going to bring the scarlet letter back or something like that. That's what I feel like. We're going to have to start wearing stuff like that around, but we missed the last two Sundays. Uh, it, it is so good to be back. Um, we did watch on the live stream, and that, that was something. You know, it was something we could at least grab hold of, and we enjoyed being with you that way at least. But uh, wanted to thank everyone that kind of stepped up. Uh, I know myself was out. Uh, Luke, who helps in the sound booth. Rod was out. We had a lot of people that were out. Uh, but th this is never, and I've, I've said this before, New Hope is never a one-man army. It takes a, an army of people. wanted to thank all the people that stepped up. I, I know we had people in the booth that were running multiple stations. Um, appreciate Pastor Joe and Ruth very much. Um, Pastor Joe did a couple of funerals. He did the Thanksgiving Eve service. He was preaching, and uh, he even brought me, my mom made soup, and he brought it out to me one particular night where it was pretty snowy and cold. And Just uh, thank everybody for stepping up like that. I, I appreciate it. It's awesome to have a church of volunteers who are willing to step up in other people's absence. Um, but you might be able to tell, I'm just giddy this morning. Uh, I, that's my way of telling you I love you guys. I, I can't hardly be away. I barely even like you people, but I sure can't stay away from you very long. That's, that's Jason D's way of saying I love you, okay? If you ain't got me figured out yet. I'm not the mushy type, but I gotta be around my church family. I don't know what in the world it is. It's uh doesn't matter what skin color, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. There's a unity. It's Christ. If you believe in this book like I do, it, it unifies us. It unites us. It, it brings us together as a family. And uh, for me and my family, we, we just can't stay away for very long. So we tried to abide by the laws and the rules, and we got cleared uh, early this week, Monday, and uh, now we're back at it. So, so good to be around everybody again. It really is. I wanted to give a quick reminder. Uh, I know that we don't have any Sunday PMs for the next week or two or few weeks, whatever it is. Um, but when we get back to our Sunday nights, we're going to be back next door, back in Revelations. So now everyone has plenty of time. I believe that we're going to be on Revelations chapter 5 the next time that we're over there. Don't forget that. Take this serious. So delve into Revelations chapter 5. Familiarize, familiarize yourself with it so that when we reconvene over there, you'll be, you'll be ready to roll. Okay, brothers and sisters, can, can I preach the gospel to you this morning? Are you still allowed to do that in church? Can I, can I preach the gospel to you? If, if, if you have gotten past the simplicity of the gospel, something's wrong. I don't care how many years you've been saved or how advanced you think you may be in Christianity. The gospel message should never, ever, ever get old. It does not get old to me. And I love, I, I love talking about the, the simplicity of the gospel. So, so listen to this. And this is a little bit 
cliched, I will admit that, but I have a question for this morning. Matter of fact, if we get technical, I have a question about a question, okay? Have you ever asked yourself if mankind is basically good or basically evil? Have you ever really spent some time questioning that? Is mankind basically good or basically evil? In our natural state, are we good or are we bad? That, that actually doesn't sound like a, a real, real complex question, but it's extremely, extremely important for every individual to ask themselves that question. Is mankind basically good or are we basically evil? Have you ever spent time thinking about that? And let me personalize that question a little bit because I'm generalizing here. Let me personalize it. Are you basically good or are you basically evil? Okay, in your natural state, are you good or are you evil? Are you a naturally good person or naturally an evil person? Very, very, very important question for all of us to ask ourselves. Very important. We cannot move forward in the Christian faith until you ask yourself, until you figure that question out. That's the, that's the first question you have to figure out. Am I good or am I bad? Are we good? Is humanity good or is humanity evil? You have to, that's where you start, right there. And then if you can figure that out, then you can proceed in this book. Then you can proceed in Christianity. As a matter of fact... I think that it is impossible to be saved if you've never asked yourself, if you've never deeply thought about that question, am I good or am I bad? Because if you think you're good, well, then you don't need saved, obviously. Why do these Christian people talk about being saved? Why is the pastor always up here telling you to avoid sin, read your word, reach out unto the Lord? Because if we're good, then you don't need it. Everything's good. But if we're evil... You know, if, you, if you can settle the matter, is humanity good or is humanity evil? If you can settle that matter and comprehend it, then it, it, it kind of unlocks what this whole Bible is about, what it's about. Then you can start figuring out what this word is starting to say to you. Okay, Very, very important question. And I want to spend some time this morning trying to figure this out. Are we good or are we evil? In my natural state, am I a good person or am I a bad person? Or are my human tendencies towards good or are they towards evil? It is, and I can't stress this enough, it is monumental for every Christian person to settle this matter, to figure it out. Are we good or are we bad? We have to settle this question. Now, before you blurt out an answer, well, I don't hear that. Before you blurt it out, let's think about it a little bit. Let's think through this question. Are we basically good or are we basically evil? Let's think it through. First of all, you know, this is my job to tell you what the Bible says, but the Bible does give a clear answer to this question, whether humanity is good, whether humanity, humankind is good or evil. The Bible gives us a clear answer in no uncertain terms. Okay, if you spend any amount of time 
going through these pages and reading and studying this book, you'll agree with me that I believe the Bible is actually over the top. Okay, now some things in the Bible are, are tough to figure out. You've got to spend a lot of time praying, a lot of time studying, a lot of time seeking. This is not one of those things that you need to spend a whole awful lot of time seeking and praying about. The answer is very clear. The Bible is very clear. And this is a spoiler alert, okay, for the rest of the sermon. But the Bible is adamantly clear that mankind is basically evil. That is what this book says. I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings. I'm sorry if it offends you. But I'm actually not very worried about your feelings this morning. I'm more worried about what is true, what truth is. So I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But this book very clearly states that humanity is evil. Basically evil. The hearts of mankind are bad. Not good. Bad. That's what this book says. Let's don't, just don't take my word for it. Let's actually jump into the Bible and, and see what it says. Okay, we'll start in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, they believe, is written by Solomon. And if you remember, Solomon was arguably one of the wisest men ever. He had asked God for wisdom. He, he may have been one of the wisest men to ever live. This is Solomon's summation. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3 says this. We'll skip that first little part about halfway through. Solomon says, Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. Now this man was extremely wise, arguably one of the wisest men that ever lived, and, and he has come to the conclusion that the hearts of mankind, the heart of man, is extremely, is full of evil, and he even takes it a step further and says, madness is in the hearts of man. Now, when, when, when Solomon is saying the heart here, he, he's not talking about the muscular organ inside of us that pumps all of our blood around. He's talking about the innermost character of man, the inclinations of man. That, that inner man that makes you who you are. That's when he's saying the heart is evil. When he's saying there's madness in mankind's heart, he's saying the inclinations of mankind are evil. The inclinations of mankind are madness, Solomon says. But maybe you're not convinced yet. We, we won't just take Solomon's word for it. Let's, let's see what other people say. Well, let's look at the prophet Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah, who was a prophet for a long time. He wasn't wet behind ears. He was prophet for decades and decades and decades. Jeremiah comes to this conclusion about the hearts of man. Now remember this morning, we're asking ourselves, is mankind basically good or basically evil? Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Brothers and sisters, do you know what this is? This is a, this is a blanket statement from the prophet Jeremiah. He's not actually saying, well, your heart is desperately wicked or her heart is, or my heart, this is a blanket statement to all of humanity that the prophet Jeremiah is saying, the heart, remember that the inclinations, the innermost being is desperately, it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So Solomon says the things that he says. Here we have Jeremiah coming to the conclusion he's coming to. He, Jeremiah is pretty much saying, if you're a human being and you have a beating heart, 
it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But let's just not take those two men's word for it. Let's move on. Job. Everyone familiar with Job? Many of us probably are. There's a whole story of the book of Job. You can read the book for yourself. Very interesting. But in Job chapter 15. Now, now Job is actually described to us as a, a perfect and upright man that fears God. Job says this. Job says, How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinks iniquity like water? This is the conclusion that Job comes to when he thinks about humanity, when he observes humanity. He says mankind is abominable. Mankind is filthy. And he's not talking about dirt or something that might stain your shirt or get your knees dirty if you're out in your fall or whatever. He's talking about the filth that comes with iniquity. The debauchery that comes into our hearts and to our minds that comes along with sinful living, that comes with evil. So when he says mankind is filthy, he means that they're debauched. He says they drink iniquity like water. It's just as much sin as we can get. We're just taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. So here we have Solomon. He comes to the conclusion, mankind's evil, wicked, madness. Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Job saying that mankind is filthy and abominable, drinks iniquity like water. Let's move on if you're not convinced yet. King David, as I said, the Bible is over the top about all these things. King David, King David, a very prominent figure in the Old Testament. One of the most popular kings of Israel. Psalms chapter 51, verse 5. This is King David now. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Mind you, this man wrote that just after he committed adultery, really just after he committed murder, right after he was deceitful, right after he lied, right after he'd done all kind of evil things. This is when he wrote this. He said, you know what, i got to be honest. I was shaped in iniquity. In sin was I even conceived from my mother's womb. That's, that's the summation that David comes to. I was born in sin, he admits. Born in it. Now remember, we're asking ourselves, is mankind... Generally good or evil? Are we basically good or evil? And here we have these examples of these people that are coming to conclusion. I was shaping in iniquity. I was born in sin. Our hearts are desperately, desperately deceitful and wicked. David here is saying that man is sinful from birth. I mean, you're born, you come in sinful already. That's what he's suggesting. Maybe you're still not convinced that the Bible teaches what the Bible teaches about humanity being good or evil. You know, all, so far all I did was read some Old Testament stuff. Well, maybe, maybe God's a little softer in the New Testament. You hear that opinion. Let's see what the New Testament says. Jesus, and I want you to listen closely to Jesus' words. Listen very closely because this is, this is so enlightening of, of Christ's thoughts on humanity, okay? In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, this is our Lord and Jesus saying this, for from within, where? Within. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Jesus says all these evil things come from, where do they come from, church? Within. And defile the man. They come from within us. 
out of the hearts of men, Jesus said. Those things, he lists all these things. In this particular example, he lists 13 evil things, and they come from within the individual. Matter of fact, he clarifies that. He even says, out of the heart, from our hearts. Not that muscular organ. We're not talking about that. We're talking about that innermost being inside of each one of us. Jesus says, Inside of that human heart of yours proceeds these things, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. All that stuff is inside of the hearts of humanity. All those things are in us. They are in us. You know, I, I notice in that passage, Jesus doesn't seem to mention any good things in the hearts of men. He states only evil things, and they all come from inside inside it's in me to envy it's in me to lust it's in you to be wicked it's in there it's innate it's in there it comes naturally natural evil comes out of your mouth naturally just like breathing the apostle paul more new testament on whether we're good or whether we're evil the apostle paul goes on to tell us now We'll read in Romans, but he's actually quoting from the book of Psalms. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Apostle Paul writes, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. He's quoting that from the book of Psalms. Later in, in the book of Galatians, Paul's epistle to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 22, Paul writes, But the Scripture has concluded that all are under sin. Th that is the conclusion to the matter. Paul writes, you know what? Paul says, I, I spent, and Paul was a learned man. He says, I knew this book. I know the laws of God. And from me learning these laws of God, I must come to the conclusion that all of us are under sin. Every last human being on this planet, all of us are under sin. Under the curse of sin. According to the Bible, we are naturally evil. We are not good. Not good people. You did not come out of your mother's womb good. Everything was good. Or you're going to only do good all the days of your life. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Later, the book of Romans tells us that, that all the world may become guilty before God. We stand before God guilty. Guilty. We are guilty before God. The, the Apostle Paul is saying here that mankind is basically evil. Our hearts, evil. Within us, what's inside of us? Evil. If you could open me up spiritually, evil. If I could open you up spiritually and look inside of you, it ain't good. It's not good. Jesus says that evil comes from within us. David says we're born in sin. Solomon says our hearts contain wickedness and madness. Job states that we drink iniquity like water. Jeremiah states that our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can even know the heart of men? Jeremiah says. The Bible is clear that we're born under sin. We're born under it. It don't matter 
if my dad is a pastor for 40 years. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian he is. When he hit me, my mom birthed me into this world. I came into this world a sinner. Under sin. In sin. Doesn't matter how good your parents were, how saved they were. Everyone has to deal with Jesus Christ on their own. Everyone has to deal with their wickedness of their heart personally for themselves. Now, I know that you might not want to hear. It's not very Christmassy or festive to hear. Come to church and hear, well, what did you learn today? What a pastor told me I was bad. What a pastor told me I was evil. He said I was no good. I get that. I know that. Okay, I know that. I know that's not very fun to listen. It's not very fun to take in. I know maybe the general consensus, I'm hoping not from New Hope, but the general consensus is most people are like, Pastor, just tell me I'm good. Pastor, just tell me I'm okay. Just tell me that everything's all right. That's why I'm here. Tell me everything's good. I'll go home. We'll hug each other. Everybody have a nice Christmas. But brothers and sisters, that's not my job. That is not my job. It's not my job to tell you what you want to hear. Okay? It is not my job. It's not very fun. It's not very happy to hear that we're evil. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Would you rather hear a comfortable lie or an uncomfortable truth? I would hope that we would all pick the truth no matter how uncomfortable it is. Because it is uncomfortable to hear we are evil. I am evil. I am an evil person. I don't want to be evil. I want to be good. I want to do good. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you're evil. Hmm. doesn't matter how we feel about it. That's what it is. Now, now let's look a little further into this. We've, we've kind of looked at just what a handful of people. Now, like I said, the Bible's over the top. You can keep going and going and going with the deceitfulness and the wickedness of man. But we'll look a little bit about humanity. Let's look at some of human history. Okay, and see if we're good or if we're evil. Do you know how many people have been killed in wars, in fightings, in human history? Do you know hundreds of millions of people have been killed, killed, murdered, shot, shot at? Hundreds of millions of people. As humankind, are we basically good or evil? We've murdered hundreds of millions of each other's brothers and sisters. Millions, listen to this, and I know most of us know this, but in Vietnam, the United States lost 58,000 of our troops. And, and, and 58,000 people from, from killing each other. All through human history, we've been killing each other. We lost 58,000 troops in Vietnam, but a statistic that we don't readily know is it, the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese, the South Vietnamese, the Viet Congs, millions of those died. Millions of those people were killing each other in that war. Millions died. Millions. Listen to this. They estimate 620,000 casualties in the Civil War. 620,000 casualties. That's a lot of people. Hmm, are, are we good or are we bad? We done killed 620,000 people on the same land, same ground. Listen, they estimate... 20 million total casualties from World War I. They estimate 75 million total casualties from World War II. That's almost one-fourth the population of the United States. 
That's like, visualize right now a, a map of the United States. Chop it into fourths and put yourself in that one fourth. There ain't no people there because they all been killed. That's how many people died in World War II from us killing each other. Hmm, are we basically good or are we basically evil? Look all through humanity we've been killing each other. Are we good or are we bad? Some people can't figure out whether we're good or we're bad. We've been killing each other all, all throughout human history. Communism has killed hundreds of millions of people. The Bolshevik Revolution in Rus Russia led to the deaths of millions and millions. Remember Pol Pot killed mil two million people in the Cambodian genocide. Don't, don't forget the Holocaust. Remember the Holocaust? Don't forget about that. Six million Jews marched and killed, murdered. And you know one thing that doesn't get mentioned that much when you talk about the Holocaust is how many of the Poles were killed. How many of the Polish people were murdered and killed? Brothers, this, we've been murdering each other for all human history is marked with wars, murders, killings, bloodshed. And you can't figure out whether we're good or evil. Remember that movie, Hotel Rwanda? The Rwandan genocide killed almost 800,000 people. I, I encourage you, sometime maybe when you're bored, Google a list of genocides in human, human history. There's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of genocides that have happened in human history. And, and all a genocide is, if you don't know what genocide is, it's just a systematic killing of certain types of people. This is human history that I'm telling you about. Marred with the deaths and the bloodshed of hundreds of millions of people. There's dozens and dozens of genocides all throughout human history. Brothers and sisters, we've been killing and murdering each other since you could count the world population on one hand. That's, that's when we've been starting to murder and kill each other. When you could count the world's population on one hand, we started murdering each other. Listen, I ain't done yet. Is man basically good or are we evil? I can't figure it out. The U.S. has aborted close to 60 million babies since 1973. The world has aborted roughly 73 million babies each year. Are we good or are we bad? I think we're good. Well, you got the wool pulled over your eyes if you think we're good. You can't figure out if mankind's good or evil. I think we should take the Bible's word on it. Brothers and sisters, humanity is the worst scourge to ever walk this planet. We are. Sometimes I like to watch crime documentaries. You know, it's not, not because I like to see crime and see people harmed, but what I like about the crime documentaries is I like the, like the cold case detectives that are able to use forensic science and then they figure out and solve these crimes. We got any young people in here. Man, that's a good field you ought to go into, being those cold case detectives. You know, guys that can, they, they come up on a scene where there's been a crime and these guys use science and all these methodology and they can figure out who did it. Stuff that I would never be able to figure out, they can figure it out. That's a neat field to get into. But I, but I watch these crime documentaries and of course, being on quarantine, there ain't anything to do, so I watched some more of those documentaries. But the reason why I say that is, brothers and sisters, the things we do to each other are unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, can't, I can't fathom the things we do, the things that men do to women. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The heinous crimes we commit against one another. It's unreal. It's unreal. People kill each other. I've walked true documentaries. People kill each other just so they can collect insurance money. There's family members that will kill off another family member just so they can collect a hundred grand. I have seen I have seen men kill their wives to collect insurance money, and then they can go be with a babe that they had all along on the side. Evil, evil. This is humanity, okay? This is humanity. These are examples of the human heart. People kill each other over jealousy. People kill each other over arguments. People kill each other over drugs. I saw one documentary, just a true story. You, you can go watch these documentaries for yourself if you doubt me. But I saw a documentary where, where a man went into a woman's house, murdered this woman. The detectives came in. They, they did all the forensic science. They figured out who the man was that killed the woman. By the time they went to arrest this man, he had been murdered by somebody else. That's humanity. That's a good example for you. Did you know, listen, did you know that we have about currently 250,000 unsolved murders in the United States? That number grows by about 6,000 every year. Those are unsolved murders. People killing each other. Oh, but mankind is basically good. We're good. Well, me, the Bible, and history disagree with you. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, I haven't genocided anyone. I, I haven't murdered anyone. You know, those are extreme situations. Those are extreme circumstances. Okay, well, let's, let's take it down. We'll come off the notch of murder, okay? If that hasn't convinced you, all the bloodshed hasn't convinced you whether we're good or whether we're evil. If you've been a parent, why, why are some people chuckling already? If you have been a parent, you have had a front row seat to whether or not humanity is good or evil. You have a front row seat. You have seen it front and center. And I know that these little kids that we have are so cute. Oh, they are. New Hope has some of the cutest little kids. All these little toddlers running around. I, I got to grab them and squeeze them. Their little ears that gets to me. Their little nose. I constantly got to mess with these little kids. They're so cute, aren't they? But they ain't good. <laughs> they ain't good. They are born in sin. Them little cute little things are sinful. I, I, I noticed something. Listen, and you know, I, I, hope, I hope maybe you notice this too if you're a parent. I noticed I never had to teach my boys how to fight. I never had to say, hey, uh, son, you know, if, if your brother does something that gets on your nerves, go take a, take a swing at him. Give him a left hook or a right uppercut. I never had to teach that. Never had to, had to teach them how to bicker. I never sat them down on my knee and said, Son, this is how you do an argument, okay? Here's how you'll argue. Never had to teach all those things. I've never taught my son's selfishness. Never had to teach him how to be self-centered. Never had to teach them to look out for me, myself. I've never taught them that. I, I never had to teach my kids how to talk back. But somehow they have become experts at that. I've never taught them that. I never said, sit down, son. There's going to be an age where you become a teenager. And when you do, if myself or your mother asks you to do a chore, 
I want you to think of a witty comeback to say. <laughs> I never taught them that. Never taught them that. Think of a smart aleck remark that, that might be funny or, or you might think is funny and say that. I never taught them those things. Never taught them those things. Now, I, I never told my sons, hey son, come here, sit down. There's going to be a time where you're going to want to play with a toy. Maybe in the nursery at the church. But another kid might have that toy. Son, what I want you to do is go over there and just take that toy off him. You know, if he grabs it, then tug harder. <laughs> Kick him off. Do what you've got to do. Take that toy for yourself, son. I've never taught my kids that. But I've seen them involved in those activities. I never Who taught them those things? Did you teach them? I didn't teach them. Who taught them those things? I never told my sons, hey son, come here, sit down a minute. There'll be a day when you'll be in Walmart or a grocery store. You'll see a snack that you want. You'll see a toy that you want. Ask your mom if you can have that. If she says no, here's what you do, son. You flail around. You kick and you scream. You throw a big tantrum. I, I, I never sat my sons down and said, this is what a tantrum is, son. This is how you do it. You, you kick and you scream and you hoot and you holler. I never taught them any of these things. Never taught them all that stuff. Never once. Somehow they're experts on it, though. I never taught them all those things. They were born on this earth, and those things have come naturally to them. The lying the talking back, the disrespectfulness. It's in there. Jesus said it out of inside of you. Inside your heart proceeds all these things. They come out of you and that's what defiles you. I never taught them those things. Never taught them those things. But these characteristics come out of them naturally. You tell your kids in church, hey kids, don't run up on the stage. Don't run through the sanctuary. What do they do? They're running all over the place. Who here has taught their kids arrogance? Who here has sat their son or their daughter and said, son or daughter, when you get to school and you see all those other kids, just know that they are beneath you. You are better than all of them. They can't compare to you. No one looks like you. No one acts like you or talks like you or is as cool as you. That arrogance, that pride comes from within. You know, I, I remember one time when one of my sons, who shall remain unnamed, he was probably about four or five years old. He wanted him a snack. Say, Dad, can I have a snack? You know, whatever it was, a pudding or this or that. Sure, son, eat your sandwich first. I had just made him a bologna sandwich. Okay, Dad. It, it wasn't 30 seconds. I turn, now we're talking about a little kid. They can't eat that fast. It wasn't 30 seconds. I turn around, he's got that snack. Where's your sandwich? Oh, I ate it, Dad. You ate your sandwich in 30 seconds. Yeah, I ate it. Okay. I, I took the lid of the trash off because we were out in the driveway. There that sandwich lay with one bite out of it. One little kid bite out of it. The whole sandwich right there with one little bite out of it. I never sat him down and taught him how to lie. I, I, never, sat, I never taught him that. I never said, son, here's how to lie. Let me teach you how to tell an untruth. It comes from within us. It is in there by nature. It's in there naturally. It's innate. 
It's in us. It's part of our makeup. It's part of being a human being. We're born in sin. You know what I also noticed? Let alone the things that I noticed, the, the characteristics coming out of them that I never taught them. The opposite of that. Do you know what I have had to teach them? I have had to teach them how to share. I have had to teach them how to be respectful. I have had to teach them manners. I have had to teach them good things. Appreciation, humility, kindness. I've had to teach those things because they ain't there. Civility, truthfulness. Those are the things you have to teach because they don't come out by natural. They don't come out. The, The bad things come out. Those are the things I did have to teach. My wife and I, we had to teach those things. We have to correct the evil and implement the good. It comes from within us. I I hope you can see this. I I hope no one in their mind is putting up a defense saying, no, you're wrong, Pastor. We're good. We're good. If if you are still like that this morning, or any, any listeners online, if you think you're good, I'll sum it up with this. I always liked a, a, a pastor or preacher or teacher named Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias. He passed away recently. I really liked him. I used to listen to him, you know, all through my teenage years up when I would drive back and forth to school and stuff. So, so intelligent. Uh, he was kind of a, what's called an apologist, you know, a defender of the faith, a, a lecturer, a teacher, uh, a preacher. And he would travel the world, and he was so intelligent. I loved Ravi um, sure, some of you have heard of Ravi, just awesome guy, but he was giving a lecture one time. I think this was at a college campus, and if you don't believe me, you can find this on YouTube for yourself. He was giving a lecture one time, and he would lecture, but there was a microphone in the audience, and they could line up, and they could ask questions, and the lecture was over, and a student come up. I mean, this young gentleman looked to be about his low 20s, maybe, and he just was angry as could be, and said, Ravi, I'm sick of you Christians. I'm, and mind you, there's a lot of people in this audience, maybe a thousand people. I don't know, there's a lot of people, full house. He said, Ravi, I'm sick of you Christians trying to interject God on us, and trying to tell us to obey the Bible. We don't need God anymore. He, he said, you, you Christian people try to tell us we've got to obey God, and we have to have God. He said, and if you think that we don't have your God, you think that everybody starts raping and everybody starts pillaging. He said, this ain't the medieval days anymore. Maybe if we were in medieval, we could need God back then, but we're civilized now. We're, 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 we have knowledge now. We have understanding now. We, we don't all just start raping and pillaging if we don't have God. So keep your God. Quit interjecting Him into society. We don't need God any longer. And after he got done spewing all his venom, Ravi, who was awesome, he was an older gentleman, he calmly got up and kind of walked up towards the man. And mind you, there's, there's thousands of people here. And he says, son, I just got one question for you. Do you lock your doors at night? Well, that young man, he, he goes, yes. He knew right then and there. Why are you locking your doors if everybody's good? If we don't need God, it's because somebody's going to come in and rob you. Somebody's going to come in and take your money. Somebody's going to come in and take your stuff. That's, that's humanity. Why are you locking your doors if everybody's good? One simple question turned that young man on his head. All his, all his thoughts and theology and whatever he thought he had figured out. It's the same for us. Why do you lock your doors at night? Because I don't want someone coming in my house taking my stuff, messing with my wife, messing with my kids. 
It's because humanity is evil. Evil. We are not good. Now, I could go on and on about humanity, but we're, we'll stop at that point with that part because I need to move forward. Brothers and sisters, I hope you can, you can think on that topic. Are we basically good or are we basically evil? And I hope you can come to the correct biblical conclusion that mankind is basically evil. I hope you can all see that. But, but let's, you know, for the sake of argument, let's accept that premise this morning that mankind is basically evil, okay? Because if we do accept that premise and we, and we admit, I am evil, it presents a problem. It, it presents a big problem, okay? A bad problem. The, the problem is that if we admit that we're evil, okay? Okay, pastor, you got me. I'm bad. I'm evil. I've done all these sinful things. All right, I admit it. If we admit that, if we admit that we're sinful, the problem is someday we have to give an account to God. We've got to stand before God and, and here we are in church this morning admitting that we're evil, admitting that we're naturally evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Listen to what Romans chapter 14 goes on to say, in verse 12 says, So that every one of us shall give an account to God. Give an account of himself to God. Meaning, we're going to stand before God. He's going to say, you ever lied? Yes. You ever lusted? Yes. You ever stole? Yes. You're going to have to admit, you're going to have to give an account to all this. You ever spoke an idle word? Yes. You ever thought evil things about someone else? Yes. You ever been vain? Yes. You ever blasphemed my name? Yes. You ever spoke evil communication? Yes. All, all cut? You ever committed idolatry? Yes. You ever committed adultery in your heart? Yes. All evil! It, that's, that's the problem that it presents. If, if we say, okay, okay, Bible, I'll admit I am evil. Well, then it produces another problem. The problem is we've got to stand before a holy God. And we have to give an account of our lives. The things that we did with our body. The, the actions, the things we spoke. That's the problem. That's the problem that we have this morning. And the problem is, evil, sinful people don't fare very well before a holy God. What that means is that evil, sinful people, they don't go to heaven. They don't get let in the pearly gates. They don't get let in. God does not let those kind of people in. That's the problem. Sinful people don't make it into heaven. People with evil hearts don't make it into heaven. People with deceit inside of them. They don't make people that lie, people that steal. They don't make it in. God turns those people away. He rejects those people. You see, when God looks on us in our natural state, He sees sin. He sees iniquity. He sees stains. He sees blemishes. He sees tarnishes. He sees full of iniquity. We drink it like water, Job said. Our garments are stained with sin. In His eyes, the one that we have to give an account to, in His eyes, we are unrighteous. Unrighteous. Not good. Listen, listen to his standards. James chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For whosoever shall keep the whole law. We'll just for sake of argument think of the Ten Commandments here. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. 
Meaning, all your life, if you went through trying your best to keep those Ten Commandments, if you slip up one time to his standards, to biblical standards, you're guilty of the entire thing. That's how high his standards are. I don't know about you. I don't have a prayer. I don't have a chance. No matter how hard we try, we cannot measure up to the standards set by God. You have to be sinless to make it into heaven. Perfect to make it into heaven. You can't be stained. You can't be tarnished. You can't walk up before God as slobs tarnished with the stains of sin. You can't. He will turn you away. He will reject you. He is a perfect, holy, sinless God. You have had to obey God all of your life, all the time. You can never have broken one little law, one little commandment, one little white lie. That's what it takes. No temper tantrums, no lying, no evil in your heart, no wicked thoughts, no wicked imaginations, no selfishness, no envy, no idolatry, no adultery. You can never have once had something in front of God in your life. Never, ever once. You can never have lusted. You can never have been vain. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem with humanity. If we die in our natural state, we got to stand before God. And Jesus will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's what, that's what if you die in your natural state, that's what he's going to say to you. That's what he sees. He will see sin in you. And you ain't going to be let into the heaven. You ain't going to be let in. Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. Now, if we're honest, let's just think about this for a minute. If we're honest, we actually can't even be angry at God about this. We can't. If I stand before God in my natural state, vain, having committed these sins, having broken His moral law, having broken the Ten Commandments many, 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 many hundreds and thousands of times, and God turns me away, I can't even get mad at God. All God is doing, all He's doing is exercising justice and judgment. That's all he's doing. You know, if I, if I murder someone, and then I go for before, the, before the judge, and the judge says, uh, you killed somebody, you get life in prison. Is it the judge's fault? No. The judge is just enacting some type of justice. He, he's executing judgment. That's all he's doing. It's not the judge's fault. You committed the crime. You do the time. So we can't even be mad at God if he turns us away. He said, hey, I gave you those Ten Commandments. You chose not to listen to them. You're guilty. You're condemned. It's not even God's fault. It's our fault. Do you see the problem now? Do you see the problem that humanity's in? If He turns us away and rejects us, He's, he's exercising justice. He's doing what's right. He's doing judgment uh, upon us. Psalms, the first part of Psalms, chapter 89, verse 14. Listen, it says... Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. God sits in his throne on heaven and justice surrounds him. Justice is the foundation of his throne. Meaning he's going to right every wrong. He's going to make it all right. And everything that he judges will be true and righteous. When, when God rejects sinners... From eternity in heaven, he's just satisfying justice. He's just doing what's right because he's a righteous judge. Now, you see the problem. Aren't we admitting this morning that mankind is evil? We are evil. Naturally, we are evil. 
Can we admit that our evil and then can we fault God for exercising justice on us? I can't even truly be mad at God for this. I can't. If God lets us into heaven in our sinful state, then He isn't a just God. He's not. He wouldn't be a righteous judge. He has to judge sin. If we stand before Him, liars, thieves, adulterers, He has to be. He's obligated to be righteous. He's obligated to say, you ain't coming in. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. He's obligated to. Why? Because He's righteous. Because he, His throne is established on justice. He has to. He has to pronounce that judgment on us. Or else He wouldn't be a righteous judge. He would be a biased judge. He would be a bad judge. In 2 Timothy we're going to have to turn there and Booth doesn't have to put this one up, but Paul refers to God as the Lord, the righteous judge. The righteous judge. I told you I watched some of those crime documentaries sometimes and, and a judge will dole out a, a sentence and someone murders someone, they might get 10 years and then a couple years later they're out on good behavior. That, that's righteousness? That's, that's justice? God is is righteous. God is not like a, a human judge. His judgments are true. He's righteous. He's obligated to punish the lawbreakers. Brothers and sisters, listen. If we stand before God in our natural sinful state and God rejects us from heaven, it is a righteous judgment. It satisfies justice. It, it is right. It is deserved. It is earned. If we are turned away, if we're rejected, if the Lord says, you ain't coming in here, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, then it's right, it's deserved. It's deserved. We, he, he, he is what's called the moral arbiter of the universe. Meaning, when, when I say God's the moral arbiter, He created this whole world, He made everything, all this stuff, and since He did, He's the one that gets to make up the rules that we all abide by. So if this moral arbiter, if you stand before him and you broke all those laws, then it's only justice when he executes condemnation upon you. Do you see the problem that we have if we admit that we're evil? God, who is just, who is the moral arbiter of the universe, has to right the wrongs. You broke the moral arbiter's laws. Therefore, you sinned, you have to pay for it. You committed the crime, you do the time. You broke the laws of God, then you are rightfully condemned as guilty. You, you now see the problem that we have with mankind being basically evil. And, and I'll, I'll bring this to a close. If we can have the band make their way back. You see, if we, if we accept this premise that mankind is basically evil, then it condemns us before Almighty God. It condemns us. If I say, yes, I, I have to accept what the Bible says, then that means when I stand before God, I'm guilty. I'm admitting this. There's no chance for us to make it into heaven. Well, listen, church. There's a caveat. There's, a, there's an extenuating circumstance. If there was a, an, let's say, an innocent volunteer that would step in and take the punishment that we deserve... Let's think about that for a minute. If an innocent volunteer stepped in to take the guilty person's punishment, 
This could work. Because the judge, who can't ignore the transgressions, he can't act like they never have, he can't act like they're not there. Or he wouldn't be a righteous judge. He has to judge true. So if a man commits a crime and goes before a righteous judge, the judge could pronounce that man guilty and even dole out a punishment to that man because then the judge would still be righteous. I hope you're following me. The judge would still be righteous. He'd still be executing justice because he didn't overlook the crimes. But the innocent volunteer is stepping in to take the punishment for the convicted. Do you follow me on that, brothers and sisters? This is exactly the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's exactly what Jesus does for us. It's exactly what the cross of Calvary does. His blood does. It's exactly what it does. The blood of Jesus comes and pays for those sins. Listen to me now. Here's the gospel summed up. In one scripture, the best place I think it's written in the Bible, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you see here that we're coming to the conclusion we are evil. We are not good. But Jesus stepped in. We made him be the sinner. We made him be the scapegoat. We made him be the fall guy. He took our sins. He took the punishment for what we did. We put it all on him. He came and he was the innocent volunteer to come in and said, put them all on me. Put all his sins, put all that Jason has done onto me. The lying, the thieving, all the thoughts, the wickedness. Put everything that he has done. Take, I'll take his punishment. I will take his punishment. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, a punishment was issued and satisfied. Justice was satisfied. God's wrath was satisfied. Transgressions were paid for. And what Jesus did on the cross, what his blood did on the cross is completely settles the matter. It settles the problem of mankind being evil. It settles the problem of sin. The blood of Jesus does. And now, listen brothers and sisters, and now when God looks on us, when we have to give an account to Him, if you've trusted in the cross, if you've trusted in Jesus' blood, if you've trusted in the ABCs of Christianity, you admit, you believe, and you confess, and you believe what Jesus did. When you stand before Him, He's not going to see the sins. He's not going to see the guilt, the condemnation. He's going to look on you as though you are righteous. Why? Because you have the shed blood of Jesus that pays for those sins. Anybody else say amen this morning? It don't get old to me. It don't get old to me because I'm bad. I'm evil. I'm evil. You look in my closet, you open up my closet, you're going to see skeletons in there. You're going to see things I've done I shouldn't have done. You're going to see things that I regret. See things I wish I never would have happened in my life. They're in there. I don't try to come out and act like I'm all good. There's no skeletons in my closet. I'm admit to you I am evil. I know what I deserve. That's why I love Christianity. That's why I love the Lord Jesus. Because He paid for those sins. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this, Who His own self bear our sins in his own body on that tree that we me being dead to sin should live unto righteousness 
by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherds and bishops of your soul. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. He took the punishment for what I should have been punished for. He took it. He was the fault guy. He took the blame. They're on him. He paid for them with his own blood. In his own self, bear our sins on his body. He took the punishment that we deserved. Why? Because we're evil. And he is good for the sins we committed. Do you now see, church, do you now see how Jesus solves the problem of evil? Do you now see how Jesus, listeners online, do you see how Jesus solves the problem of sin? Jesus solves the problem of sin. Do you see how he solves the problem of the evil nature of mankind? I am evil at my core. I know that. Ain't no beating around the bush. I know that. But a man named Jesus went to great lengths to remedy my evil nature. Now I can be righteous before God when I stand there. I don't have to be condemned on Judgment Day. You don't have to be condemned on Judgment Day. Now I don't have to get rejected. Listeners online, you don't have to get rejected by Jesus. You don't have to get rejected. God don't have to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. If you embrace what Christ did on that cross, I don't have to hear the words, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Jesus, the everlasting fall guy for the sins of mankind, He took the blame. He took the punishment. Can we stand this morning? As the band begins to play, you know, you, you see our ABCs. You, you admit that you are a sinner. That's what we did this morning. We looked, are we basically good or are we basically evil? We are evil, evil through and through. We admit that. That's the first step. That's the first place. Then you believe. You start believing on this book. You start believing on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You start believing on Jesus, what He did on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus. Start believing on those things and then start confessing on them. That's the beginning of your journey. Online listeners, that's the beginning of your journey. Anybody, anybody, say those things. Say them. Pray them out loud. Pray them in your heart. Admit those things. Those of you that have been saved for a long time, it never gets old, does it? Doesn't get old, does it? You remember when you was a sinner, lost, hypocrites, drunkards, whatever in the world you were? It doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. That's why... That's why the sports, you all can talk about sports. Go ahead. Did your team win? I hope they won. Uh, I hope you get a big giant present. I hope you have a big turkey for Thanksgiving. But what gets to me is Jesus. Jesus. He's the thing I like to talk about. I like to get excited over. That's why I preach with such passion. Because this means everything to me. It ain't sports. It ain't the business deals. It ain't the big piles of money. It's that my sins were paid for by somebody else. I know what I deserved. I know what I deserved. Let's give him a round of applause this morning, church. I'm thankful that my sins have been paid for. I'm thankful. Hallelujah.